0: Listening to the Up and Under Podcast starting in 3,
1: 2, 1.
0: Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome into the Up and Under Podcast. I'm your host, Hani. Joined with me, as always, is Zishan. Yo. All right, man, another edition of the Quarantine Podcast. Once again, full disclaimer we apologize in advance for any audio issues. Once again, we're doing this remotely and we're doing the best that, that we can. Uh, due to the current circumstances, like I'm sure all of you out there are making the best out of your current situations. So, we definitely want to apologize first things first for any issues. We are doing the best that we can. But with that, we still have a podcast to do. And continuing with our theme of kind of highlighting uh, what has gone, what has transpired through the 2019 2020 season, we're going to be shifting focus more on the players that really disappointed last season, or maybe underwhelmed is the best season. So on this week's episode, we're going to be breaking down the top players that we believe have underwhelmed or underperformed this season. Um... Also, before we get started, if you haven't already done so, check out last, last week's episode where we basically broke down our our picks for the all-NBA teams. The all-NBA first, second, third teams, and the all-defense teams, and we even broke down the all-rookie teams. So definitely check that out if you guys want to know how we thought, who were the best players in the league this past season. But we're going to be shifting things to the other end of the spectrum of the players who obviously did not perform well. And there were actually quite a few Um players that didn't really live up to live up to the hype you know uh, yeah just- um,
1: yeah definitely um, I think it's just like, it's just always a yearly thing where it's like some players do well some players do bad you know whatever it is um, for example just the team they are on not fitting properly with them or just them having for example like undisclosed injuries or you know a combination of everything you know maybe stuff in their personal life we we never know to be honest uh, or they just sucked to be honest yeah
0: it, it could just be a multitude of reasons but basically our sort of like our conditions for picking players for the, for for this episode were basically the players that really didn't live up to really big contracts or didn't really live up to the expectations that were set for them or their team this season so with that Let's, re- let's dive right into this. We obviously both have our own list, so obviously we'll start with uh, Zishan. Who is the first player who, in your opinion, underperformed this season?
1: Well, off the top of my head, the first one I thought about um, when we were talking about this was Al Horford. Um, mm-hmm. Now, Al Horford just signed a four-year, $109 million uh, contract with the Philadelphia 76ers this season. Um, and to be honest... I don't really know why people should are surprised by him underperforming on this level. Now, there there are a multitude of reasons why he signed this big contract. Number one was that obviously the whole situation with Boston was that was, that was it for that you know that cast of players. Uh, number two on Philly side of uh, things, there are two players primarily that really. That Joel Embiid really has problems with. Number one is Marcus All, uh, who's on Toronto, and then number two is Al Horford, who was on Boston. Joel Embiid particularly struggles against those two players. So the idea for them was getting eliminating one of those players from the equation, which means they brought Al Horford over to the 76ers. Um, on Al Horford's side of things, uh, although it wasn't a good offense to fit. Defensively, it it would still be a great match, and also he he had talked about in the past um, that he wanted to play more power forward than center, um, and going to a team with Joel Embiid would help him achieve this. The problem with that is we all knew the offense was going to be a struggle, and that's an understatement to say the least. Their offense has been garbage without Horford, Ben Simmons, and Joel Embiid all on the court together. It's been absolutely terrible. Um, for Al Horford, his efficiency has been absolutely terrible this season. Um, uh, field goal, he, he's, he's down to 44% um, from uh, his field goal percentage, um, down to 34% um, on threes. Um, and he has, if I'm not mistaken, um, worst his worst plus minus since 2013, um, his worst player efficiency rating since his rookie season and his worst true shooting percentage since his rookie season as well. So it's not a stretch to say that Al Horford has probably been the worst that he's been in his career this season.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, I think you and I, when when we first, like, reported or, like, talked about him signing with Philadelphia, we really questioned the fit and, like, why, you know, like, for both sides, like, why they thought this would be a good pairing. Because, again, like, you were talking about Al Horford offensively really doesn't fit in a system like Philadelphia because there was just, there's just too much crowding, and Al Horford obviously needs the ball in his hands. He's more of a facilitator um, rather than a spot-up guy or a guy you want to just you know just stay in the paint or stretch the floor. Like He's just not type, that type of a player. So offensively, it really didn't fit. I would even argue that defensively, it's like having him and Embiid on the floor is kind of redundant because, again, Horford doesn't have the foot speed to really guard uh, a lot of the quicker and younger power forward we're seeing in today's game. Um, And not to mention, neither can really Embiid. So you really need both of these guys in the paint, so it becomes really redundant to play these two guys together. Now, again, you brought up the fact that, you know, uh, I guess the Sixers kind of saw it as Horford was the main... you know, M. B. stopper in the Eastern Conference especially, but it really just didn't make make sense and just no surprise. Like the Sixers had a lot of fit issues because a lot of the pieces on the roster just really didn't m- never meant to be t- put together to begin with. So yeah, I'm not surprised how Horford is is on this list. He just has not had a great season, especially when you when you consider how well he played with the Celtics, you know, at, like how Brad Stevens utilized him and really brought out some, you know, some great performances out of Al Horford.
1: Yeah, we're so, talking about two years ago when he was, if I'm not mistaken, he was like runner-up for defensive player of the year. Third, I can't remember. It was, he was top three defensive player of the year uh, voting. Uh, I think he made the all-NBA team, if I'm not mistaken. I, I'm not so sure about that. But
0: He I had remember, good years. Yeah, like that, he had great years,
1: right. man. He, was, he had great years under Brad Stevens. Um, and then, unfortunately, now he's just in a system that's completely not fitted for him. Uh, you talked about him uh, being a facilitator and one of the best in the game at that in the big at the big man position. But now in Philly, um, whereas before he was, you know, he had a lot of post ups at the elbows, um, passing to cutters and all of that. Now in Philly, he's relegated to a lot of spot up. He's not. That's not his game.
0: Yeah, I mean, like I feel like the best role for. People like players like Al Horford is the type of Marcus All role that we're seeing now. They're not going to score like twenty plus points a game, but what they are going to do is you can literally run your offense through him because of the fact that he's they're just such great facilitators. So they'll they'll be able to, you know, find guys in position. You can run cuts. You can run different type of actions, and it, it would work. But yeah, definitely Al Horford is is a player that has greatly underperformed this season. Moving into my first player who I felt underperformed this season, I'm going to have to go with Mike Conley. Now, I've been a Mike Conley fan for a long time. You know, he's just been a a really underrated player, especially being a guard in the Western Conference. Um, He's put up, like, borderline all-star numbers for many years, had many great playoff moments with the Grizzlies, and we all as fans wanted to see him on a contending team and when he finally got traded to the Jazz last season we thought oh shit this could actually work you know the Jazz need a point guard they need a guy who can who's can facilitate but doesn't have to necessarily be a number one option because of, they have Donovan Mitchell already Mike Conley just felt like he can come in and be the perfect fit but this season it just it just never worked like he just completely fell off from the from the moment that he he got there, like, I'm, like, pulling up his stats, like, he was averaging 21 points a game last season, to so now averaging 14 points a game, but the biggest difference is his shooting numbers, like, he's only shooting 41% from the floor this season, and especially from three-point line, like, he, at the beginning of the season, it was a struggle for Mike Conley to even, you know, buy a bucket, so, you know, just the fact, and that really hurt the Sixers, I'm sorry, the Jazz uh, the Jazz is like offense because of the fact that Mike Conley was supposed to be this guy who can stretch the floor, create spacing for Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. It just didn't work, and the team had to go back to what worked and putting giving Joe Ingles more point guard responsibilities. But he, Mike Conley, was definitely a player who unfortunately underperformed this season.
1: Yeah, um, on my, for me to be honest too, I think for a lot of us it was really perplexing as to why. This fit didn't work because, like, when we saw the move happen, we were like, yo, this is a perfect fit for both parties. It's, it's going to work great. And, like, it's a seamless, um, you know, match between the two. But unfortunately, it just it hasn't worked at all. He, he's really fallen off cliff. Um, You're talking about, like, before, like, I think he was, like, he was shooting, like, under 30% at one point or something like that in the season, Um, in the beginning of season. It was just ugly. I think the biggest thing it comes down to, to be honest, for Mike Conley, I think the injuries just took a toll on him. If, if we're being real, you know, all the, all the injuries that he suffered through, um, I think it's the main aspect of why he's fallen so hard off cliff.
0: Yeah, I mean, definitely, like the injuries didn't really help him. But again, as a as a thirty-one-year-old, like we 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 don't we didn't expect this kind of a drop-off from Mike Conley's. But it's definitely unfortunate.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, it, it, it's kind of it would it has to be frustrating from um, Utah fan's point of view. But uh, next up, the next person on my list is is Gary Harris from the Denver Nuggets. Now, Gary Harris, um, I had a lot of high hopes for him.
0: A lot um, of people did.
1: Yeah, a lot of people did. But he, he had some great potential. Now, obviously, you know he's still a young player, um, so he can still get it going. It's not like it's the end of his career. He's still a relatively young player. It's only his sixth season right now, um, so he does have time to get together. But the main issue with him is he's been great defensively, er, around the same as he always be- has as he's always been defensively, um, which is a very good player, arguably the Nuggets' best perimeter defender. Um, unfortunately, the thing for him has just been his offense. His offense has declined so bad this season. He's pulling up his worst, his least points since his rookie season. Um, you're talking about he, he was actually a decent three-point shooter um, for the majority of his career. Uh, now you're talking about he's down to 33%, and the field goal percentage is not much better at 42%. So it, it's really been an issue for his offense. Now, the one thing is um, similar to Mike Conley. It's, it's, I think the, the injuries have really taken a toll on him, which is why I'm hoping next year we see a much better version of Gary Harris but right now he's just not being good for Denver at least offensively Um, he still has value for them uh, defensively but in terms of you know closing situations he's not that guy that you can put on the floor just because of how limited um, and how bad he has been offensively
0: yeah I mean like again like Gary Harris what he has going for him is definitely the fact that he's still a young player versus a guy like Mike Conley who's on the other side of 30. So there is still hope that Gary Harris can kind of, you know, still improve and rebound back from from, from a from from a poor season that he had. But again, it, it really it shows that like Denver is in a position where they have maybe too much depth at the guard position. Obviously Will Barton came in, had a really great season. They still have like they had to trade Malik Beasley just to clear up room. For, for players to play, obviously Michael Porter Jr. is going to need need minutes somehow, some way. Jamal Murray is the star there, so there's a lot. There's a bit of a logjam in Denver, um, but again, like if Gary Harris, especially because he's signed an extension.
1: Yeah, not to mention the, the fact that he's on an 84 million dollar extension. It's so only in second year on the extension.
0: Yeah, so the Denver Nuggets have really heavily invested into this guy, um, and again. As he's still young. He still has a chance to rebound off this, but it just wasn't a great year for him offensively overall, for, overall. But the good news is it just hasn't affected the Nuggets overall because they're still in good positions, good standings in the Western Conference. But individually, it's definitely been a, a tough year for uh, Gary Harris. That brings me to my second player on my list, and I'm sorry, Sixers fans. This is not going to be a great episode for you guys, but I think... Another player that's underperformed this season, in my opinion, is Ben Simmons. Now, you can look at the numbers, Ben Simmons' numbers, and say, you know, he was an all-star this year, um, He the, the numbers aren't bad, but here's the thing that I that I want to point out. Ben Simmons' numbers are almost identical, maybe slightly higher than his rookie season, which means that he has not improved basically at all over the last three seasons, So, which to me, especially the fact that the Sixers signed him to a four-year, $170 million extension that's going to be kicking in starting next season, you know, it just wasn't... I Like, I personally, even when he signed the extension, I really thought it just wasn't a worth it investment from the Sixers to lock him up when you really haven't seen this guy take that next step, you know, Um, especially on the offensive side of the ball. We understand that Ben Simmons as, you know, just as a straight-up attacker, as a facilitator, and even as a defender, he's he's great in those aspects of his game. But he still needs to work on shooting. He still needs to, and, not, and he still can't really fit with Joel Embiid. So the Sixers, despite having two All-Stars in Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, are currently, I believe, they're the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference right now, which, you know, nobody really expected them to be this low in the standings. So I just think that this has been an under, underwhelming season for Ben Simmons because there just wasn't any improvement. And I think the Sixers are going to find that out very soon that if Ben Simmons doesn't improve, that that's going to be a lot of money on the books for the next four or five years.
1: Yeah, just my point of view before like we quickly move on to my next player. Um, the the thing with the Sixers was they were kind of in a tough spot. uh um, financial wise um because it's very it tough kinda, spot it was kind of like a, what? what's the thing um i forget what the saying is uh do if you don't yeah i can't remember saying but but um it, it, they're in a tough spot where it's like they he deserved the money in terms of what the market was around the league for a young player like him but it's not as if he deserved it yet based on the merits that he had um, in his previous season.
0: But here's the thing. so, Like, my argument is that the Sixers never really had to sign him to that extension. They, 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 they never really did. He had one more year left on his contract, and I think he would... If you wouldn't have signed Ben Simmons to a contract extension, I feel like he would have been a lot more motivated to play even better because it would have been a contract year for him. So... I think the Sixers kind of rushed into the signing a little bit too early. Now again, Ben Simmons is still a young player. He can definitely improve and he does have a ton of potential. But so far, I haven't seen this guy take a significant step forward in his improvement.
1: Yeah, I think the just the main issue is, I think, um, now is he right now a one of the you know top 20 players in the league, top 25 players in the league? Yeah, he, he's one of the great players in the league. The issue is that, He hasn't shown anything more than what he has been in the past which is the main issue with giving him such a large uh you know sum of money especially the fact that he's so young still and the fact that he has really not improved uh, that much marginally since he was a rookie yeah Uh, yeah so i think that's that's pretty much the main issue with ben simmons Uh, next up um on my list is larry Markinen. now i know both fans have been talking about him a lot of people have been talking about him um, i sorry I had to do it to him, but like, I know it's Loki just being a dead horse at this point, which is, a, you know, the Lauren marketing topic this season, but he just hasn't been good. Um, obviously, as we've said before, we both clearly think that Jim Boylan should not have been hired in the first place and he should be fired immediately. Um, he's not a good coach at all. Um, and a lot of the times he just seems... He doesn't seem to know what he's doing. Um, you're talking about Larry in now, who's pretty much being relegated to a spot-up shooter, um, which is unfortunate because of how much potential he actually has um, offensively. Now, defensively, obviously, you know, you're always going to have his limitations, um, and I don't think you're ever going to be able to get around that. But offensively, he showed, he showed great potential in his first two seasons. Um, he, he's dramatically... Um, downgraded this season um you're talking about like a three three point drop off um his efficiency hasn't been particularly great three 36 percent on threes which is okay um but 43 percent um on his field goal percentage uh, that's literally what he's been at his, in his career um the the main issue is that his role has not been properly defined um and also the fact that he has himself has not been as great um, in terms of him demanding the ball more, him being more assertive, and just him being overall better of a player. He has not been that. Um, even this year, I think uh, if you're talking about his net rating, he, he's a minus two. Um, now, obviously, Chicago as a team isn't great either, but it's still a problem when one of your most potential uh, potentially good players. Is a negative and just not being that good uh, this season.
0: Yeah, I mean, like this is like something that we've been preaching for a while that the Chicago Bulls uh, man- management needed needed to to change. Like guard Packs really ran their course; like they should have been gone like years ago. But now that the new reg- new uh, uh, regimen there in the Bulls front office. So hopefully changes can be made. But again, like, I think Lowry Marketing was just one of those players that were just put into a really bad situation. Like, he is definitely a talented player. We saw that in his rookie season, like, how if used, and used correctly, you can actually mold this player into, you know, a a, a shooting, like, a stretch big who could also maybe potentially uh, be a post-up threat. He's got height. He's got some athleticism on him. but not. But the big thing is that he can stretch the floor. So... But I don't think Jim, like, I don't think Jim Borland used him correctly at all. Not to mention, Jim Borland didn't even use another teammate of Larry Marginan's correctly and Thaddeus Young. Like, Thaddeus Young worked pretty much everywhere he went, and he just couldn't work on the Chicago Bulls. Bro, he's got, he's
1: got Thaddeus Young doing, uh, uh, as a three-point shooter, man. Like, when has Thaddeus Young ever been that in his career, yeah. bro? Anyway,
0: it's just like It's decisions. a problem when
1: you see Thaddeus Young shooting, like, three threes a game. Although he has been decent, like, he's shooting, I think, like, 36% or something. It's completely useless to have that young spotting up on the perimeter. That that's not his game at all, and it's 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 unfortunate how mismanaged the team this team has been from top down. Hopefully now with the Arturis Karnasovas, it's going to be different, um, and he'll probably get Jim Boylan out of there. But in terms of this past season, it's been a struggle.
0: Yeah, I mean, like again, like it, it's just these type of decisions that were made by Jim Boylan that were so question like, questionable, and like it really has stunted the growth of some of the some of the young players on on this Bulls roster because the Bulls roster definitely has some young 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 pieces that they can build around, but they just they just haven't been used correctly. So hopefully Lowry marketing can bounce back again. Another young player who has who could be given an opportunity to rebound off this. Uh, now, that brings me into my next player who underperformed this season, and it's Karl-Anthony Towns. Now, again, after everything that Karl-Anthony Towns has been through through the through the whole COVID-19 situation, again, I'm not really attacking him personally. I think um, he's definitely not in the greatest mental position position right now but we do need to talk about his performance this season and it just wasn't that great now if we're looking straight up at the numbers obviously the numbers look impressive but you have to also understand that Karl-Anthony Towns is the the only option on the Minnesota Timberwolves at this current moment in time and we always knew he was a great offensive player like he was always a good offensive player like he like his lowest and his rookie season he put up 18 points per game so he could score the ball and he could also rebound the problem with Carl Anthony Towns has been his defense this season. And I don't know what happened, but he's just gotten so bad defensively. I think we talked about this like a few episodes ago, how when the Raptors faced faced the Timberwolves, the Raptors put Ronde Hollis Jefferson on on Carl Anthony Towns, and Carl Anthony Towns couldn't do anything against a like what what is Ronde Hollis Jefferson? Like six five?
1: like six like seven?
0: Yeah, like, he's not... And, like, Carl Anthony Towns is, like, at least a 7-footer. So the fact that he got shut down by by that type of player and couldn't stop anything on the other end is really telling to where some of the holes are in Carl Anthony Towns' game. And I just want to read something. Uh, it's an article that was posted by Zone Coverage, basically talking about when Carl Anthony Towns was injured, how the Minnesota Timberwolves' defense was. So basically in 33 games this season this was back this article was back in january the wolves have allowed 101.8 points per 100 possessions when towns has been off the floor and when towns plays their defensive rating spikes to 114.5 basically for context 101.8 like points per, per 100 possessions that type that defensive rating is basically in the realm of the top 2 defenses in the league in Milwaukee and Toronto Like, Milwaukee's is 101.2, and Toronto's is 103.9. So, it falls literally right in the middle of that. And then, when you look at the flip side, 114.5 falls in the league bottom. So, it just shows that the the Wolves' defense just completely tanks when Karl-Anthony Towns is on the floor, versus when he's not. Which is really strange, considering Karl-Anthony Towns has a lot of the tools you know, a modern-day big would need to be a good defensor, uh, def, uh, defend, defender. You know, he's got the length. He's got the athleticism. You know, he he can block shots. Like, I, there shouldn't be any reason why. And we've said it a lot with with other players who really have underperformed, underperformed defensively. Defense, a lot of it, is about effort. And, you know, the fact that Carl Anthony Town is struggling on the defensive side of the ball could just be that he's just not putting enough effort on that side of the floor, which is not good, good. is when you're paying a guy 160 million dollars over the next five seasons so it just hasn't been a great year for Colin Anthony Town and the Timberwolves
1: yeah um I think it's a lot of it also is uh, you know you're seeing the whole what Jimmy Butler was talking about um, as in
0: it looks true also, now
1: yeah definitely defense is a lot about effort and it's also about it's also about the mental aspect of the game And I don't think, I think there's clearly something lacking in both of those areas for Carl Anthony Townsend in terms of the effort that he shows in games. And also, it seems like he's not the most, um, the highest basketball IQ player, um, to put it lightly. Um, Going back to your point about the Rondé Halls-Jefferson game, um, I think the biggest thing it shows is the lack of assertiveness and the lack of uh, will to dominate to call Anthony Towns' part on both sides of the ball. Because, like, you know, he puts up great numbers offensively against most teams. But where is it against the winning teams? Yeah, the defense is bad against everything. Okay, sure. Uh, we've, we've talked about that. The problem is that even offensively, too, whereas where he's putting up great numbers against bad teams, he's not even doing that against good teams either. If you're a bad defender, okay, at least make up for it offensively. It's a problem when he's not doing that either. And it shows a lack of assertiveness, a lack of will- willingness to dominate. Um, you know, when you can't even dominate against a 6'7", Rondé Hall's difference is a problem. Um, I think that's been the main issue with, throughout his career and also Andrew Wiggins' career, as we were talking about before for the Timberwolves. Obviously now Andrew Wiggins is in Golden State. But that's been the main problem for both those two guys. Uh, that's why Jimmy Butler wanted to push them so hard. Unfortunately, they reacted negatively to it, um, and you're seeing how good Jimmy Butler of how good of a leader Jimmy Butler actually is when people respond positively to it. You're seeing that in Miami, uh, whereas in Minnesota, it's clearly a bunch of bad habits that are built up, um, you know, and and you can see that from top to bottom of the whole organization, which has been a mess since since pretty much KG was, here. yeah.
0: And, and and Flip Saunders basically since his death.
1: Yeah. Wow. Um, moving on to my next player. Um, I don't I don't necessarily think he should be on this list, but I think it's it just warranted because of his contract. Um, I have Terry Rose here on here. Now, yes, this is more about the contract that Michael Jordan gave him and Mitch Kupchak gave him. Uh, which we pretty much everyone thought was unjustified and a bad contract, and it hasn't been as bad, but it's still definitely not a good contract. Um, Terrell zero. Also, it didn't help that Terrell zero was talking. You know, he was the he, he was like the next Kyrie Irving or something before he got his contract. Um, it, that definitely didn't help. Him. Now, yes, he has been. Pretty decent this season, actually, if we're being honest, which is why I don't really know if I wanted to put him on this list. But I think the contract just warrants that he signed a three year, $56 million deal um, this past offseason to become the new on, unquote star for Charlotte. And then Devontae Graham came and you know, busted as you know. Uh, in terms of stats wise, he's been, he's been pretty decent. As I said, 18 points a game. Um, field goal percentage, obviously, he's a smaller guard, so it's kind of not as good. 42%. But in terms of three point percent she's shooting 40% um, from the season. Um, in terms of the on and off numbers, uh, negative 9 net rating, but Charlotte has been... Charlotte's not a good team overall. Uh, so, you know, it is what it is. But I think the main point of why I felt like putting him here, even though I... I low-key didn't, but I still did, was I, once again just the contract, man. I, it's just one of those, one more decision by Michael Jordan and company, which just made us scratch our heads. Like why why would you give him this kind of contract? Now, again, it is a shorter contract, it's a three year contract, which doesn't make it as bad. But still, $56 million for a guy that, to be honest, is better suited as like a sixth man than a starting point guard.
0: Yeah, I mean like again like you and I really um talked about this when the contract was first signed that it just like it just seemed like too big of a number for a player in Terry Rozier who for all of his career has been coming off the bench. Now granted Terry Rozier with with more minutes you he's shown that he can be a capable scorer, but again like he's not the most efficient player like especially defensively. I think he has a lot of Uh, flaws on that side of the ball but the whole Hornets team does because they're just not a great team but the fact that Devontae Graham really just stepped up and became um, probably their best player for the Hornets this season to me is just telling us to maybe Charlotte and Michael Jordan should have played this a little bit better they could have maybe just not Signed Terry Rozier and just seen what they had with this roster. Worst case scenario is that they'll just have a high high draft pick so that they they can draft uh you know uh, a great point guard like maybe a Lamelo Ball or anyone, but at least they can kind of see what they had. And if Devontae Graham would have you know blossomed, that's great. You have him on a cheap uh cheaper contract. You don't have to sacrifice a lot of money for a player that's really redundant at this point in time.
1: Here's my biggest problem with this move is the fact that there doesn't seem to be any recognition of failure and past mistakes. You're talking about a team that was one of the highest capped out teams with one of the worst rosters in the league. For the past how many years? Past past what, like five years or whatever You're talking about yeah. like a, a team that's constantly constantly mismanaged their cash base and their team financially and yet again you throw this much money at a guy like Terry Rozier who again isn't bad but he's, uh, he can be paying this guy $56 million after the type of mistakes that he had I mean the type of mistakes that you've had as a front office in the past
0: yeah like like you said like the only uh, really saving point of this, of this contract is the fact that it's, it's a 3 year deal but again like when you're trying to like move, like if even in the event that you want to trade this Terry Rozier, it's really a tough pill for a lot of teams to swallow that you're taking on that much amount of money for a player that really you could have gone in for a lot less, if we're being realistic about it. But yeah, I I, I think Terry Rozier is one of the players that had an okay season, but he for the type of contract that he signed, the numbers really just don't justify, you know, you know this contract but let moving into my next player on on my list i'm going to be i think CJ McCollum has been pretty underwhelming this season i mean the, it has not been a great season for the blazers overall but here's my my problem although CJ McCollum's numbers are are okay like they're not terrible numbers um but the problem is is why isn't the blazers any better like you would think if you have a player like um like Damian Lillard, who has been fantastic this season, like he made our All NBA first team, uh in our, in our picks this season. You know, you have that type of player. Then you have a a, a number two option of C.J. McCollum, who puts up okay numbers this season. But w- why are they the ninth seed? You know, like I get it that you need more other players to step up, but for the last four, five, maybe six seasons now. CJ McCollum has roughly averaged the same numbers for the last for the, for these last few seasons. Like he's just been around the 20 to 22 point range, and his plus minus numbers really are showing. Like this season, he's been a plus point five when he's on the floor, which isn't great considering the fact that he's supposed to be the right hand man for Damian Lillard. Not to mention he's really he's paid very. Well, like he's expensive like he's an expensive player. He signed a three year a hundred million dollar extension uh last season, I believe, and the Blazers got worse. So now you have CJ McCollum on the books for another five more seasons, but your team hasn't improved. So now that just looks like a ton of dead money in my opinion. Unless CJ McCollum can somehow bounce back. But like I said before, over the last few seasons he's just pretty much been the same player and really hasn't been making that big of an impact for the Blazers especially this past season
1: here's here's my thing here's why i would disagree with uh with you on him being on this list uh it's simply because of the fact that I think he is what he is you know what I'm saying like I don't I don't think you can really call him underwhelming when he is the same consistent player that he has been and what he always will be in my eyes like I never thought he was gonna be any better than this 23-point uh, player that he is right now, to be honest.
0: But I think the expectations when you sign that big of a contract is that you're expecting a player who... And he's not even that old. Like, he's, what, 28 years old. Like, he's, he's in the prime of his career. You expect a player like that who signed an extension to be better. Like, you would expect him to be a 25, 26-point-per-game scorer alongside Damian Lillard, Um And then he's also going to be a factor on the defensive side of the floor as well, being a guard who can switch and has that type of, um, you know, athleticism to be a solid enough defender. So, like, to me, it's the fact that he hasn't improved over the last few seasons, but yet he's been paid a lot more as if he's a star-level player.
1: Well, here's my thing on that. Did the Blazers pay him to become a you know, a superstar level player or did they pay him for what he is? I think they just paid him for what he is considering the fact that the Blazers are not gonna get anybody that crazy free agency. Um I mean well, he- they saw what he what he is, which is a great player offensively. Now defensively, yeah he's a negative, but that that's gonna be your problem with him and Damian Lillard, who are both smaller players and we're always gonna be negative or just average defensively. That's their cap defensively. So which is why they last year you saw them have such a good team because of the fact that they had the pieces around them. Now obviously this year injuries really killed them. That's that's the main issue with their team this season. You would have seen them definitely in the playoffs um, if injuries just hadn't wrecked their team completely. But you also saw guys like Mo Harkless and Alfru Kamini walk out the door, uh, which is huge um, downgrades for you in terms of being but why able is to them? cover for Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum defensively. And also, Yusuf Nurkic got injured. Um, and then you have Hassan Whiteside, who's just... We, we've talked about Hassan Whiteside enough, like, but
0: here's my thing, is that why do you think Mo Harkless and al Aminu walked out the door? It's because the Blazers don't have enough money to pay these guys like other teams were able to pay them. Now, again, like, Mo Harkless didn't have the same effect on the Clippers, and I'm pretty sure he had a good good role with the Blazers. The Blazers were a solid team, but I just don't think the Blazers had enough money. They didn't have to sign CJ McCollum to this to this extension. He had two more years left on his contract. They signed him for another three more, which, to me, didn't make a ton of sense.
1: The thing is, though, again, it comes down to the aspect of the small market. Uh, the Blazers, if we're being honest, were not going to get anybody better, and this was... Pretty much the only move they could make. Yeah, you saw the impact with it uh, of it uh, in terms of Alfraganino and Mo Harkless being gone. Uh, but I, in in this case, to be honest, I don't think the Blazers had really much of a choice. Now you can say yeah, they waited one more year to be honest or whatever. But that one year, one more year, wasn't really gonna make a difference because of the fact that they were again, they're not gonna get anybody in free agency if we're being honest so
0: I I think they're really in that position where the Raptors were before last season
1: yeah exactly we got lucky with the Kawhi Leonard thing coming up you know otherwise I think we would have been in the exact same position
0: but I think I think it's time for the Blazers to really maybe look into splitting these guys up and seeing what's the market
1: well I've been saying I've been saying that for the past like few years but the thing is what are you what kind of value are you going to be able to recoup with the Well, i really argue, I'd argue, not enough where you can make a significant turnaround for your team.
0: I mean, well, we're gonna have to wait and see for that one, but I think, in my opinion, just it, CJ McCollum just was pretty underwhelming this season, to say the least.
1: Yeah, um, although I disagree with that, but uh, you know that that was one of your picks, so for sure. Um, now moving on to our last picks, I'm gonna go with my first one, and then. You'll go with yours, your last one. Then after that, we'll move on to the up and under segment. Um, mine is not really. I don't. I guess it wouldn't really be an underwhelming pick. Um, or a bit maybe because of the fact that I guess after last season he was still he was still pretty good, um, and he just didn't live up to expectations or expectations placed on him by the coaching staff this season, um, which is Rajon Rondo. I have Rajon Rondo on uh, this list. Now, Rondo, it's not a stretch to say this guy's probably been the worst player in the Lakers' rotation this season, and as fans, we're all kind of confused as to why this guy still gets this many minutes and this big of a role. Now, I guess, yes, Rondo does. It's the mental aspect um, and how smart he is at the game, and also the penchant that he has for coming up with big games out of. The problem is, bro, Rondo just hasn't been good at all this whole season. Um, and It's a problem because he's taking away minutes from guys like Quinn Cook and Alex Caruso so especially, uh, who has really blossomed into a great rotation piece for the Lakers. Um, it, it The main reason why he's on this list is not because of, I guess, fans. Well, not for me, not my expectation because I've said he's been on the decline um, in terms of his career. For the past, I don't know how many years, since pretty much since he got traded to the Mavericks, uh, it's, it's the fact that these expectations have been placed on him by the coaching staff, um, and it results in him getting a significant amount of minutes, which he does not deserve, considering how bad he's been this season, um, and the fact that you have other better options off the bench. For example, as again, Alex Caruso, who does not get enough minutes. But yeah. I yeah. Think-
0: yeah, so. yeah, I think Rondo is just one of those players that had a really great start to his career, but you're looking at where he is in the decline, man. Like it, it it just has not been pretty. Rondo has never been the greatest offensive player in the world, but you know, he his just effectiveness has just kind of wore off. Like he really blossomed in the time where, you know, point like point guard like point guards who were floor generals really were 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 great like they they worked like Chris Paul really paved the way because of the fact that he was a floor general he was a facilitator he wasn't really a big scorer um but when it came down to making the right play making the right decision Rondo was one of those high IQ players that you wanted to have on the floor which is why the Celtics really 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 you like needed him to to win the win the NBA championship back in 2008 um but, yeah, I mean, like this season, it really just doesn't make a ton of sense. I think it's a lot of it has to do with his reputation. Like, obviously, everyone knows that playoff rondo is still there. Now, we don't know if we're I going mean, to. I mean, I would argue that's continue. not even
1: really a thing, but sure, that, that's I mean, a reputation that he has and that he has he lived up to sometimes, but I'd argue that's not really a, a thing. For me,
0: so. I mean, he did it, obviously, with the Celtics. He did it in. New Orleans he did it he did it for, to a degree in in Chicago so you know does Rondo play play better in big in bigger moments definitely i think he he, he ha- still has the capability to step it up but we don't even know if we're going to have a playoff this season so
1: and and you're talking you know, about do the do the positives of those few moments by Rondo outweigh all of the negatives this season? Yeah i would argue not
0: no i i i think no and i think the fact that He's taking away minutes from guys who could possibly be productive pieces for the Lakers. Like Alex Caruso has been a revelation for the Lakers, um, and even like they have Quinn Cook. Like the Lakers have been like I think at the trade deadline were looking for a backup point guard, another ball handler. Quinn Cook is solid enough. Like if you throw him out there in like ten, maybe fifteen minutes a game, I think he, he will definitely be serviceable. But yeah, if considering
1: you have LeBron there.
0: Yeah, and you have LeBron. Like you really are just trying to maintain the maintain the lead or maintain the game at least until LeBron checks back in, which I think most decent rotation players will be able to handle. Like if Cleveland, those really bad Cleveland teams were able to do it, I'm pretty sure this Lakers team w- would be able to do uh, it too. Well,
1: the problem was they weren't able to do it, which is why they sucked with the LeBron but yeah, Like. Uh some, some at some points they were able to do it mainly with Kyrie there, sometimes. But yeah, like you just need you need that guy to come in for like five minutes. The the, the issue is really in the regular season where you have LeBron like sitting for a good stretch of the game, whereas in the playoffs obviously he's not gonna really be sitting that much. Uh, but it's, it's mainly for the regular season and then building that up and building up your rotations into the playoffs.
0: Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I mean, I agree. Rondo was pretty underwhelming this season. Finally, the last player who I think has had a pretty underwhelming season has been Nikola Vucevic. Now, it's kind of a occurring theme with, with my with some players on my list. They have solid numbers, but I don't really focus a lot of the times on their numbers. I look at, obviously, the money, that the contracts that they're being paid, and their overall impact on their teams and how their team has performed, because I think those are... Are big factors, especially when you're being paid superstar level money, like franchise player level money. You should be able to live. You you need to live up to that that contract because the team has invested so much into you. And Nikola Vucevic is a perfect example. Now, last season he had a career year with the Magic, like twenty one points a game. Like he, I what was he like, twelve rebounds per game. He shot a career high thirty six percent from three. And he was pretty effective. Like he made an All Star game last season. He was a plus. He was the highest plus minus of his career, a two point seven. He was actually solid on defense. But we saw in the playoffs how Nikola Vucevic really got exposed for a lot of his weaknesses. Like Marcus All really put a number on Nikola Vucevic to the point where this season he really, after getting his big contract, he really just hasn't been the same player. Like, again, like his numbers are very similar to what he put up last year. But again, his shooting percentages have completely dipped. Like, from 52% from the field, he's shooting 47 now. From 36% from three, he's shooting 33 now. And his plus minus has completely fallen apart. He's now a 0.1 plus minus. And the Magic aren't any better and in any better place than they were last season. Like, they were the eighth seed last season. They're the eighth seed this season. So.
1: Yeah. Um. yeah, on my on my end of things too. I think for me I'm going to say I think it's just one of similar to CJ McCollum. For me, it's he's one of those guys that he just he is what he is at this point in his career. Um which is still a good player. And obviously like bro, not everyone can be a superstar in the NBA. I think for him it's just he is what he is at this point. He's a good player. Um did he deserve that contract or that big of a contract? I don't know, but that's kind of what the market is at this point. So, like, I don't really oppose it. But it was we all of us knew that that contract wasn't going to be a winner for the Orlando Magic. It's just it. that's what they're forced to do because uh, they don't have any other better options, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, but at the end of the day, like, I think even last season, before he even signed the contract, I was one of those people who was kind of, for letting Vucevic Vucevic walk, because I just think he's just not the type of player for today's game, unless he's in a system or he's surrounded with players that, you know, sort of help his strengths, and cover up his weaknesses. So like, you know, um, I really don't think the Magic would would are a great fit for him, and I think they're stuck with a contract that is going to be very hard to move even if they want to move, not to mention they're really hampering the growth of guys like Jonathan Isaac, Aaron Gordon, who really hasn't been able to play his proper position because, you know, they're just, they need to find minutes for Vucevic, need to find minutes for Isaac, obviously they have Mo Bamba in the pipeline, so the situation for the Orlando Magic just hasn't gone any better, in fact, in my opinion, it's gotten a little bit worse. And the fact that you have Vucevic on a on $100 million contract and he regressed, to me, just wasn't a great sign. And I just thought he pretty he was pretty underwhelming this season. So those were our, our picks for the most underwhelming players this season. Let us know what you guys think, if you guys agree or disagree. Or do you have any other suggestions of players who you felt underperformed this season? Now, let's jump right into the up and under segment. Uh, not much going on in the league, obviously, with the whole COVID nineteen, the quarantine situations. But we do have a few few headlines. First of all, are you up or under on the Warriors? Um, you know, making plans or putting plans in place to go after Giannis in free agency when Giannis hits the market in two thousand and twenty one.
1: Uh, first of all, bro, uh, yo, I feel bad for Giannis. Man's Twitter got hacked. Well, if you've seen that, um, if you've seen all those like. And stuff, bro that was like some next stuff bro
0: i saw uh, one of them i saw the one about the warriors but i didn't see the other ones because yeah
1: no nah, bro look up look up uh afterwards like bro the man like whoever was tweeting it bro the, the tweets were bro the t- tweets were like next level man it was some next stuff but in terms of this bro i'm hella under on it i swear bro if like if this somehow happens i at this point i don't i don't Rule out anything in the NBA because of the fact that we literally said this for KD. We we're like, nah, it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. And Mac joined the Warriors, and then they just went OP and killed everyone. Uh, so I can't rule out anything at this point in the NBA. But bro, if this happens, man, like, oh god, like, this would be terrible for the NBA. Um, oh yeah, this it's terrible be for fans, bro. Imagine, imagine having to hear these like little kid Warriors bandwagoners for the next uh-huh. like five years, bro.
0: Dude, like, Dude, I, al- I already... I already wait you bud so much just to drown out these people. bro. I don't want to hear it again, man.
1: Dude, considering the Warriors literally finessed the league this season, they literally had a throwaway season this year, and, and there might not even be a season anymore. They literally finessed the hell out of the league. Uh, plus, by next year, they'll get their Clay and stuff back, plus they'll have a high draft pick, and if they want, they can draft, like, James Wiseman, or they can package the pick or something. They're they're literally going to be back to being a good team. And then if Giannis somehow goes there, bro, it's game over, man. It's done.
0: It is game over. But, like, here's the thing. It's like, how would they potentially make this money work? I have no idea. Like, I don't see Giannis taking a pay cut. Not to mention, Steph's on the book for 200 million. Clay's on the book for, like, 170 million. Draymond's still there for 100 million. So, how the hell are you going to make this work? And not to mention, you have Andrew Wiggins' contract, too.
1: Listen, man. So, um, I don't know. They can probably make it work if they they'll they'll probably have to trade one of those guys. Probably Andrew. Like maybe Dream on. They might have to trade or something. But if they get if they have just like a bunch of like even bench warmers, but if they have Steph, Clay, and Giannis, <laughs> bro, I think they're pretty set. They'll, they'll still be pretty op, you know. That, bro, if oh that yeah, happens, and I, fa- I found happens, those tweets man. actually. Yeah,
0: bro. Yeah, I, yo, that's bad, yo. Yeah. That yeah, is. yeah,
1: yeah. But, but, like, I feel bad, bro, that, would, that would be like some next stuff. But, yeah, like, it would definitely be um, a travesty. If, hopefully, it least.
0: doesn't happen.
1: Hopefully, yeah, hopefully. Because yeah. uh, Giannis has to come to Toronto.
0: Honestly. Of course. <laughs> yeah, look, bro. if there's any team that has a plan in place, it's Toronto. So, Golden State, get in line, be where we put you last season. We shut your arena down, so stay out of our way. We beat you fair and square. Although all these people say the Raptors got lucky, well the Warriors got lucky a bunch of times too. You need Listen, luck to win an NBA championship.
1: Exactly. Next up, are you up or under on Shaquille O'Neal recently saying that uh, multiple NBA teams are for, are for sale and potentially Las Vegas is the next potential landing spot for AT.
0: I'm definitely up on both of these on both of these points. First of all, with multiple NBA teams going on sale, like going due to the current events, like I'm not surprised that some owners are kind of like looking around. Especially the smaller markets are kind of saying that, is it really worth keeping the team around? We don't know how long this is gonna go on for. Maybe it's worth it to cut my losses now. Try to maybe sell for as much as I possibly can, recoup some some value. So I definitely think it's 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 legitimate in the fact in the sense that the NBA is losing a ton of money and teams especially are losing a ton of money this season through everything that's been going on. Um, now, as far as Vegas being a potential landing spot, look, man, the NFL has moved, is moving to Vegas with the Raiders. The NHL, you can already see the success that they're having. I Why not put an NBA team in Las Vegas? Like, I think Las Vegas is a, is a good market. They can definitely attract crowds. Um... You know, I think potential. Like, I think if 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 a smaller market team like the Hornets or or someone could potentially get sold, I don't like. I think it's a great business decision to move to Las Vegas because the you the the amount of revenue you can earn there. Plus, not to mention, you can shake up the league in that sense that like you can now have now you can introduce a different playoff form factor you can maybe move a team that was borderline in the western conference you can move them to the eastern conference so it can change the entire dynamic of the league which i'm all for like i wouldn't mind seeing a little bit of a shift going on because again you're seeing the the nfl has 32 teams the nhl is, get, is going to be getting 32 teams the nba is really the only league with 30 teams and I wouldn't mind seeing a couple more teams added in there, there to see how th- yeah. things would look.
1: Um, yeah. In terms of the Vegas situation, obviously, it would be a great business decision for the league. Um, Adam Silver recently came out and said that there's no imminent plans, like currently, um, in the next like couple of years or next few years, to have any new teams. So it'll probably be in the next like you know maybe a decade or or something if like one of these things happens. For example, like Las Vegas, Seattle maybe Vancouver or something, you know, some other teams might um, come up. Uh, but in terms of the multiple NBA teams, for sale, um, just before we move on to our last point, uh, yeah, NBA teams are losing a lot of money. But everyone, in, everyone in the world is losing a lot of money. Um, obviously, the whole economy is like, tainted and everything like that. Um, and recently today, I think uh, I was looking at um, news about the CFLB, Canadian Football League, And they were talking about potentially maybe having to shut down completely you know wrap up the cfl which is what like a hundred over it's almost like a over a hundred year business the cfl is Uh, so if they were to shut down that would be a huge loss in terms of sports and then also in terms of i think they make around like they said they make around like uh, 1.2 billion at least for the Canadian government. So in terms of that, that would be a huge economical and financial loss too. So we're seeing the, you know, ramifications of this whole COVID situation on all forms of, you know, economy, all levels of uh, government, all that, you know, down to sports leagues and NBA teams and football leagues.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, You know, it's, it's definitely like we're going to have to see how things shape up after this whole uh covid situation really starts to die down but speaking of the covid-19 situation are you up or under on some of the updates that have been thrown around in the league in recent times the first of which is some practice facilities are are starting to open up as you know some cities and states are loosening their stay at home guidelines so i think a couple of them off the top of my head is oklahoma city houston and I believe Portland is one of those teams, not 100% sure on that one, but some of the facilities are opening up. Uh, the other uh, update is that some players and owners are actually still skeptical of returning to play like even just going out to practice because again like Mark Cuban was has come up publicly and stated that we're not opening up our arenas until we can get testing for our for for our players and our people because that's the only way we're gonna ensure everybody's safety. And the last update is that the NBA is debating on hosting cities to potentially finish the season. Now, obviously, Las Vegas is one of those cities, but they are debating where or how they can finish the season. So, are you up or under on some of these uh, updates?
1: Well, I'm up on it just for the simple, the, the, the one reason that uh, at, least, at, at least, you know, it shows that maybe we have some hope of this might be able to die down in time, in time for everything to get start to start running them up again, um, and all of that. So I think just for the simple fact that you know, it, at least there's some positivity. I'm um, up on that now. Obviously, the issue is that is it safe and all that, and I'm not sure um, about that. That's that's up to the health officials and everything. And obviously, you know, the main priority is the safety um, and every everyone being. Careful and all of that, and you know, obviously the NBA isn't gonna do anything to jeopardize uh, player, family, all everyone's safety either. So I, you yeah. know, at the simple fact that like I'm up on these updates because at least it has some positivity. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see what's what's gonna happen. Um, even now, I think a lot of restrictions have been easing up, at least um, in terms of for us in in our area, um, in our province in Canada to. A lot of the restrictions have been easing up a bit, um, in terms of like small businesses and like nurseries and stuff being able to open up. So at least to a degree, some, yeah, to a degree, at least there is some like you know, positive news. Um, yeah, yeah, at, I at mean, the end of the day, uh, safety is you know the number one. So.
0: Yeah, I mean, like any updates as far as like plans to restart is definitely a good sign. I think. Now, all sports leagues are really trying to band together to figure out, you know, what's like what's their next course of action now that like the curves are starting to to flatten or starting to decline a little bit. What, like, what can we do? Obviously, do we need, do we have, can we have fans? Can we not have fans? Where are we, where are we going to be help hosting these, uh, these games? Are we going to finish the season? Are we going to cancel the season? Are we going to host a draft? Are we going to postpone a draft? We really don't know, but these like NBA executives, Adam Silver and the NBA off- offices and owners are going to have to figure this out uh, within the next few weeks or so. So definitely um, we'll keep you guys updated uh, until we know more. But with that, that concludes this week's episode of the podcast. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Definitely subscribe to the show on all the various podcasting platforms. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio. Basically, wherever you can find a podcast, you can find us with the Up and Under Podcast. Also, follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at up, letter N, under pod. Facebook.com slash podcast. If you guys want to communicate with us, reach out to us, if you guys want to even hear about updates when we post an episode or or even our thoughts on news as they occur definitely follow us there for all the latest updates also check out our website upandunderpodcast.com it's our central host uh central hub for the show if you guys want to see subsequent like blog posts with every episode if you don't have time to listen to the episode you can read about it definitely check that out if you haven't already done so and finally just stay safe everyone (laughs) wash your hands continue to practice social distancing even as the rules are starting to ease up we don't want uh, a restart we don't want a respawn of of uh, the, the virus so definitely continue to follow the guidelines of the health officials and hopefully we will get through this soon and with that that concludes this episode we will see you guys all in the next episode take it easy